The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone, I'm Mac 19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me this evening is the lovely Portia. How are you going? Yeah, yeah. Had a, had a nice weekend. How about you, Macca? Uh, I got to sit on the couch and watch a couple of games of footy, so that was good. And we won both. Yeah, so that was nice. yeah. It was quite a quite an enjoyable weekend. It's, it's, it's nice to have that in football season again. It is, it is. Yeah. I was uh, very happy with the results of, uh, of both games. So, um, mm, mm, mm. yeah, we've got a lot of lot to talk about, so we'll get straight into it, I reckon, and do our love and hate. Uh, one thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide this weekend. Um, let's start with your hate first. Oh, okay. Wow, you're mixing it up. Oh, uh, I like to be different sometimes. Mitch Robinson. Mitch Robinson. <laughs> yeah, I hated him. <laughs> he was a real shit the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> He was he was he was to us what Damien Hardwick was to everyone else. Oh, for sure. That jumper <laughs> punch and then uh, us getting caught oh, on the return. I know that was classic. just that was total Hardwick that one. Yeah. And so naturally, I hate him until he comes to us and he's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't mind him as a whole, even though he looks like a shark. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a decent player. He goes in hard. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, but honestly, I, I, look, I don't know, it must be some hard-coded thing, but like looking at the Brisbane Lions side in the match, it's like, oh, I don't think I like any of them at all. I don't think, and I think it's just because they're wearing Brisbane Lions guernsies. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. Like, I just have that hard-coded hate from the 2000s of like, nah, they're all scum. <laughs> Outside of McCluggage and Hipwood, I probably don't like too many of their players either, I don't I, think so. I even started not liking McCluggage. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a good game. It's probably yeah. the worst I've seen him play, I think. Yeah, he was not great. Nah. He, was, he was looking a bit too much for other people um, yeah. to get him out of trouble. Yeah. Look, I hate uh, set shot goal kicking, to be honest. Like, yeah. when are we ever going to get it right? You know, I would just love for one of our players to kick a real bag of seven or eight goals. And they've had opportunities this year and last year and the year before, but it just seems like they get to four and then they start missing set shots. And uh, both Dixon and Gray could have ended with six or seven and... Eddie in the AFL as well had about four shots off target before he kicked his first in the SNFL, and you know he could have ended near double figures too um, in that in that game as well. So I would just love for us to just one of our players just once just to kick a real genuine bag of goals. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I agree with you, but I don't know. I just didn't. I'm still not worried about it at this point because. When we were inaccurate, it seems to be when we're already several goals up for the most part, so I'm not really too worried. Yeah. I'm not really too worried about that. Oh, look, it's a pretty weak hate, but... Um, it know. is. Like, a selfish when, one. But. You know, in a game that we, we win or lose by about two goals, that's probably more relevant then, but in this one, it's just like, eh, I'm yeah. not too concerned. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fine. That's it. Uh, Bevan yeah. agrees with you. All he sees is Copeland, Notting and the Scott brothers, uh, a bunch of campaigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even seeing Daniel Bradshaw and um, not in Hipwood, but I can't remember who it was. Might have been I can't remember, but I thought oh, that was might have been might have been Shaky that looked like Daniel Bradshaw. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Ryan Pillar's got a love, and that's um, how much he appreciates how fantastic Chad's transition to the midfield has been. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that this game was a good one for him. 
Um, I think that the criticism that's been had about Chad Wingard this year is that maybe when he's under close attention, he's been kind of quiet. And I don't think that he was going to get close attention this game wherever he was. So maybe it might have just been like if he played at 40, he would have kicked five goals or something. Mm. Um, so it's a good sign. It's a good sign that he did so well. I mean, he got a hell of a lot of the ball. He got a lot of clearances, got a bunch of inside 50s and all that stuff. But I want to see him do it against a proper hardened side. And then I'll be on the Chad Wingard for midfield bandwagon for sure. Yep. No doubt. Uh, so what was your love this week? Uh, oh, that's a tricky one. I probably lean towards just saying Sam Pal Pepper because it's just Sam Pal Pepper, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been absolutely outstanding uh, since debut. And, you know, in the preseason, we're talking about, ah, oh, yeah, he'll play most games, but you might rest him for a few. It's like, we can't afford to rest him. I mean, that, that's that's how quickly he's gone from rookie to, like, essential player is that we don't have anyone... Like, if we rest him, we don't have anyone that can replicate what he's doing for us in the team right now. We just don't. We don't have anyone. Yeah, it's a shame um, we got rid of Kane Mitchell because he would have been the perfect replacement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But no, I mean, he's just been... Like, that long goal he kicked from the 50. You know, how many first-year players have got the confidence to do something like that and, and then execute? A, how often has he done that? He's, he's done, done it that a about four times. times this year. And oh, he got his so roving goal. He got, he got his roving goal as well and yeah. all the other things he does. Like, he, I think this game, a couple of times he went into, like, defensive shepherds for other players and he was kind of shit at that. But, you know, I mean, he's a first-year player. He can't be perfect all the time. But yeah. it's just, like, you look at Jared Berry at the other side and I thought, you know, for a first-year player, he probably played a good game. But because it was in the same match as SPP, he just don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, Berry was, you'd probably rate a 3 out of 10. And you yeah. think, yeah, he, like, he did a couple of things right, and made a few player, mistakes yeah, and yeah, all that sort of stuff. SPP, you'd rate about an 8 out of 10. He was great. Ah, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So that's mm. my love. Just how essential he's become in already in, what, six games. Yeah, no doubt. My love this week is that we put them to the sword early and just went bang, bang, bang. And uh, the match was over 10 minutes in, really. And yeah. it's great that we're actually finally putting sides away this year. And we haven't done that often. It's been a long time since we've done that. Um, but three times so far this year, we've um, we've beaten sides by big margins that we should have won by big margins. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was really good in that, um, like in the preview, we identified that we needed to, you know, really just be controlled in the first half. And we were really pretty controlled in the first half. Um, yeah. So that was great to see. But also, like, uh, Brisbane actually fought back at times. They actually properly fought back, and mm. we still won every quarter. So yep. you know that's that's pretty fantastic. Uh, it's not like back in you know ten years ago when you'd beat a side and they would actually literally be not be not there on the field at all after half time. Yeah. Like Brisbane mm. actually were genuinely trying the whole game. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So to do, to win every quarter in those circumstances, I think his rate should be rated a little bit higher than maybe like even against last week against Carlton. Yeah. I, think it's be- I think it's a better win this week, for sure. That's the thing I, I really liked about it as well, is because Brisbane have had a decent year so far. Like They've been really competitive, and we just made them look completely second-rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the first time this year that they've done that, the first time under their new coach that they've done that. Um, and as you said, like they, they sort of rallied and, and challenged uh, for sort of five, ten-minute periods through the second, third, and fourth quarters. Mm. Um, and kicked a couple goals in a row, but we still ended up winning the all those quarters as well. So that's a that's a really good sign too. And I think I don't know people are complaining that we didn't win by a hundred and all that sort of stuff. But 
in the end, it doesn't really matter, I don't think. You know, we won every quarter. We've improved our percentage, like, massive. Like, we got just about the best percentage in the league, or second best, I think, um, behind the Crows. So, um, we're doing everything that we should be doing. And the opposite to what we've historically done in the AFL um, over the years. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you're talking about, like, we should have won by 100, like, the, you know, Brisbane still had a really high score. We are number one in the league for least points scored against us, which out, for a team outside the top four is basically unheard of. Mm. Um, that's, you know, it, it's hard to show that we were giving them too many opportunities to score in the second half particularly. Like, they still were being really frustrated the whole game long. Yeah. Um, and we've been doing that to teams, so it's been fantastic. That's it, absolutely. For anyone complaining that we didn't win by 100, well, it would have been nice to win by 100, but for anyone complaining that we didn't, just think back to 10 years ago under Choco, we would have won that by 25 points. Guaranteed. They would have kicked the yeah, last seven yeah. goals of the game, and that would have been it. Like We would have put you know, all our key players on the bench and you know, shut up shop. So, look, any big win we're getting at the moment, I'm absolutely cock-a-hoop over. Yep, totally agree. Mm. On to some questions. Um, one great club has uh, asked, am I just dreaming or have we improved? Um, and Look, I think that the most obvious thing is that our midfield's improved enormously uh, to the point that we already mentioned SDP. Um, mm. Ryder playing well and doing what he needs to do in right for us. Uh, and uh, Ebert having a career best season, which is also a very important part of this, yeah. and Ollie Wines having a career best season, and that allowing us to play Robbie Gray forward, like that's a huge amount of improvement in that most important area for us, which we've always been a bit weaker in, which is midfield. Uh, yeah. And the fact that we're playing midfield and they're playing defensively as well, you know, uh, we're seeing a lot more uh, important accountability work. You know, it's a lot harder. We did see it a bit at times with Brisbane that they were able to get it back through the middle reasonably quickly. But considering they've been doing that's their whole game plan, that's not totally surprising. But we've been better at shutting that down. Uh, and, yeah, no, I, th- I think that their midfield improvement has been absolutely human- uh, humongous. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, we've definitely improved through the midfield. We've, we can't underestimate how important it is to having our full defence out there. Like, they've been mm. absolutely wonderful. And our forward line is uh, kicking a lot of goals. So we we most certainly have improved um, by a lot. Uh, Christoph has asked uh, David Hines, with or without Goaty? With. Has to be with. Has to be. I don't, like, I don't da- remember David without Hines Goody. without Goaty looked like your drunk uncle sort of thing. Like With a Goaty, <laughs> he looked like a mean bastard. Yeah, no, definitely with. That's yeah. not even a question. It isn't. You should feel ashamed by asking that question, I think, Christoph. Mm. Very mm. disappointing. Uh, Bomber Clifford has asked, how much fun was it to see Richmond being pantsed by the Crows? I didn't watch the match, so I have no idea, but it is nice. I didn't watch the match either, but uh, definitely nice. And as I said, I expected Richmond to be 5-0, and I expected this to be the start of their uh, downhill slump. So I'm looking forward to seeing them lose the next six or seven games as well. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. I'm, I'm all nice. right with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Portly has asked, is this an Eddie in or out week? Uh, I don't know. It's not the preview show. Ask me on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. I think I'm, it's touch I'm, and go. I have watched West Coast this year, so I don't mm. know. I think it's touch and go this week. I think we need another toll out there. 
with their defence as it is. Because um, they do have a pretty tall defence. The thing that I'm worried about is um, uh, McGovern sort of chopping out and taking 15 intercept marks and Dixon being sort of triple teamed. Uh, so I think this week we probably do need another toll up there. For me, I think there's another way to do it than Eddie, which is, and I'm going to say it again because I'm going to keep saying it until it happens, which is that we should debut Frampton, and that gives yeah. us Trengove slash Ryder as an extra forward up forward when yeah. Frampton's in ruck. Well, look, and again, this would be could, probably, probably the, perfect, between the, three, really. the perfect time to do it, really, because they've got no ruckman mm. at all. Mm. Like, literally all their ruckmen are injured. Mm. Um, so if, yeah. you're going to, if you're going to debut Frampton, you might as well do it this week. Yeah, look, I mean, it's a really obvious choice, I think. Uh, and he's been in good enough form, so you do it. And that gives us those extra forward options. Um, Ryder's been great in the middle, but it would be good to see him, you know, have a little bit of game time as a forward where he's a bit more actually as a forward, just so he, you know, keeps that familiarity with how we're going. Yeah. Um, we're going to get a goal this week, but we just like to see him, like, get two or three in a game, and that'd be nice and convincing. And obviously, Trangove can rotate ruck and forward. And then if you've got Brampton, who rotates ruck and forward, then you know you can match whatever you need to do. I, I think it's. I think this is the week to bring them in. Yeah, for sure. Um, Port WTF has asked, um, who do we have to beat to be on the radar as a premiership chance? Top four side. Yep, I would say probably Geelong mm-hmm. away in a few weeks' time. If we win that one, then um, yeah, that'd I be think a big we'll one. Start to be yeah. on the radar. I think. Yeah, that's probably about right, I'd say. Yep. Pommy Power has asked, uh, Mustard, English, French, American or whole grain? Oh, well, it depends what you're having it with. That's a silly question. Like, um, seeded mustard's great with German sausages. I would have... But if I'm having, like, a hot dog, you get the American mustard every time because it's the whole idea of a hot dog, for example, is it's a fairly smooth texture, so you want a smooth mustard. Yep. Um... Yeah, like that's sort of the rule. Like the, sm- the smoother the thing it's going with, the more likely I am to favour a smoother mustard. And if it's going with like a fairly substantial meaty, meaty whatever, um, like ham steaks or God knows what else, then I'd be leaning more towards a seeded mustard. And then it's also cultural as well. Like what sort of food is it? Is it a meal that's traditional to blind? And you try and side with that. So that's a bit of a weird question. Okay. I don't like English Sorry, mustard what's... and I don't like American mustard. I do like Dijon. That's probably my favourite. And uh, a good it's whole grain good. mustard is pretty good too. Um, of the of those, I prefer a seeded mustard, um, just because that got a little little bit of texture with it as well. Yeah, I'm not a big mustard mm. man, I've got to say. Um, more of a chili jam sort of fella, I guess. <laughs> Dylan's had a good comment on Spreaker. He's saying, "I am put in my place. A totally uncultured plug whenever this podcast is into full food territory." I know like four foods. What are you doing? That's great. Uh, Fine Wines has asked, um, is Robbie Gray up forward and Wingard in the middle more valuable to us than vice versa? I think at this stage of the year it's more valuable because that means that by finals we can put either one in either position depending on how matchups are going and that's hugely valuable from a coaching perspective. Yeah. I think we're getting more goals this way um, than we were vice versa. Probably. Like, Wingard's always good for two or three, um, but he rarely goes ab- above that. Uh, Robbie Gray's, you know, can have the the bag of sort of four or five or 
or six of we as we've seen this year um, with Wingard chipping in as well. So uh, I think the way it is at the moment, we look a bit more of a better side, um, but happy to uh, swap them around. Yeah, I think the swapping them around makes it um, more of a headache for the opposition coaches. So I'm very much in favour of continuing to do that. Yeah. Uh, Fine Wines has asked, um, room temperature chocolate or out of the fridge? Oh, room temperature. Don't, don't, don't put, don't, don't put, what, who, who's putting chocolate in the fridge? Well, they shouldn't be allowed to have chocolate. Are oh, you wrong? Why would you do that? <laughs> it tastes better. It tastes worse. You How lose the texture of the chocolate. No. Any, any chocolate you're, any chocolate you're putting in the fridge is shit, it better be shit chocolate because if you're putting good chocolate in the fridge, this podcast is done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Porsche's taking a bat and ball and going home. <laughs> no, but seriously, like if you're eating, you know, I could see maybe if you're eating like, you know, oldie chocolate or whatever's cheapest, you know, the, the, the juvious chocolate you get at cheapest chips or something like that. Yeah, okay, if you're in a fridge that I don't care, but if you've got anything that's vaguely worth eating, you've got to have that. It's the texture's the most important part of it, and you just don't get that when it's fridged. Mm, not sure about that. We might have to continue that debate another time, I think. I'm happy to put chocolate in the fridge. I'm a fridge chocolater. Um, also like it out of the fridge as well. Um, and it probably does depend what it is, but um, I don't know. It gets pretty well, hot can where I, I am. Can I just... <laughs> it does get pretty oh. bloody hot in summer where I am, so you kind of need to put the chocolate in the fridge. Otherwise, you got this pool of mess in your cupboard. Oh, come on, you've got cool cupboards, I'm sure. No. And look, I'd just like to even point out that Dylan, the food pleb, has pointed out that chocolate is never in the fridge unless it's like 45 degrees and it's going to melt in the pantry. And I think that, like, if it's 45 degrees and you don't have anywhere yeah, in your house... what does Dylan know? Dylan cho- knows, like, four foods. What does he know? <laughs> yeah, no, but chocolate's obviously one of them. Um, <laughs> but if it's like 45 degrees and you've got nowhere in your house you can keep chocolate, I would say you don't want to be eating chocolate like, you know, don't have chocolate in the house if you live somewhere where it's 45 degrees and you can't control the heat in your house because you don't want to eat it in that weather anyway. Oh, look, Terrible idea. Every weather is chocolate weather, I'm afraid. Oh, a night, 45 degrees and you can't get away from the heat. That's not chocolate weather. That's terrible. That's oh. perfect. That's perfect. Melts all the... Yeah, right. no, that's great. Right. Uh, Negan oh, has asked, yeah. uh, how do we stay under the radar? I would say probably what, what losing mean? this week. Um, coming back from the bye in a nondescript fashion. That's probably the main way. If we lost if we lost like two games after coming back from the bye, they'll say, Oh, pulled around out of steam after the China trip. Um, and then that'll do it. Mm. Mm. Well, we've got a uh yeah, Pommy Power said, uh Macker is right, that hard bite from the chocolate in the fridge is right. And that's the thing, like well, if it's if it's a well, good Pommy's drink if, if warm, good... so what do they know? Yeah, well that's also true, but <laughs> Like, I'm happy to put stuff like Cadbury's in the fridge. If it's a really good sort of um, chocolatier or something like that, then I probably wouldn't do it. But if it's something like your bog-standard Cadbury's, then I reckon that belongs in the fridge. No, no, never. You disappoint me, Portia. It's very disappointing. You disappoint me. <laughs> uh, Brendan Archie Handball has asked, is one very good game back in the Magpies enough for Monfries to be selected? Shit, no. No, look, this is um, what's really important to remember. 
Like back when we were a premiership team, you know, 10 plus, almost 15 years ago, shit, um, we'd look at the SNFL team and go, oh, you know, such and such is playing well. But like, oh, Amon, let's say Cal Amon is who he comes in to replace, just arguably because everyone hates him, or Aaron Young. Um, Aaron Young playing a quiet game at AFL level, that's still a good game at SNFL level. <laughs> you know, like that, mm. the, the difference between the leagues is enormous. And honestly, um, Monfries. If he's sort of, like, this is my suspicion with Monfrey. like, he's had a year off. He wants to probably put in a really good performance so he can get back in the side. But honestly, I really feel like he should be able to prove he's got the endurance to keep doing it. Because we need him, if he's going to come in and be a part of our side, we need to know that he can be there for more than one week. Um, so I want to see some good performances from Monfrey's at SNFL level, at least consistently, before yeah. I even talk about him coming in, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree. His game on the weekend was fantastic. It, re- it really was fantastic, but I think it's too early. The thing that, I don't want to see is him getting selected this week and doing a hamstring sort of in the second quarter or something silly like that. So I'm happy for him to stay in the uh, SANFL for a month or so and uh, continue that sort of form. And if he does, then then he becomes a selection chance. He becomes a selection chance, but even then, like, I mean, what does he add to our side right now? Who, who, you know, what, what, who does he replace that adds something to our side? I don't think there is. I don't think there is an obvious solution. I think he only gets in for injuries. Mm. I think if he's going to replace anyone, it would be Young. Yeah, but Young's more versatile than Monfries. Monfries is good for a lead, but he's not real good at the other stuff. Yeah, but he's not really showing it, Youngy. That's the whole point, I think. Mm. You're breaking up a little bit there, Porsche. Are you moving around a bit? or Why? I'm perfectly still. Okay, there we go. Uh, CT Power has asked, um, we're now six rounds into the season, so how much importance do you think Ken Hinckley places on structure? Um, yeah, I don't know. I would still say little <laughs> because he's moved away from that structure a couple of times this year mm. already. So Yeah, yeah. I think, I still feel like there's an argument in the coach's box about what we're doing. Um, which is fine if that, if that's if that's a, the crucible that forges a good strategy. That's fine, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Not sure. Uh, Charcoal Chatty is asked: uh, mm. Is HP sauce really a barbecue sauce, or some weird thing made up of leftover sauces mixed together? Both. <laughs> yeah, probably is a bit of both. <laughs> I think it's yeah, a tomato-based yeah, sauce so. more than a barbecue sauce, but uh, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's not really a barbecue sauce, I don't think, either. I wouldn't have thought so. It's on its own sort of platform sort of thing. Weird plane, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's in a weird mm. area. Yep. Uh, it's right. the Vegemite of sauces. It is. It is pretty much. It's not bad. I don't mind it. It's... Um, yeah, I wouldn't really compare it to a, to anything else. So yeah, it probably is no, made up of leftovers no. that someone sort of created in their kitchen once upon a time. Yeah, why not? That's fine. Hmm. Right, onto the uh, AFL review, and um, it was a seven unanswered goal mm. run to start the match, which uh, pretty much ended the game as a contest against Brisbane at the Gabba. Um, as uh, Port Adelaide went on its way to a big 83-point victory, 22-18 to 10-goal-7. Uh, Dixon, Robbie Gray and Impey kicked uh, four goals each. Trengove added another three goals, and Sam Pepper kicked two for the winners. 
Um, what did you think of the performance as a whole, Portia? Uh, look, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good performance as a whole. I thought it was, um, yeah, I, there weren't a lot of areas on the ground that you'd have to say that anyone did poorly. Um, one interesting little statistic is the fact that every single player in a 22 got at least one inside 50. That's unusual. That um, is a bit unusual. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that before, but that just hmm. says partially how much we donated and also how much Brisbane didn't have the answers for us, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just an all-round great game. It was great to see Charlie Dixon step up. Um, it it was in Queensland, and it sort of makes you feel like, gee, you know, like maybe he should still be in Queensland because he seems to play well there, and we don't play there very often. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. <laughs> the way I he's... thought it was interesting that they played McStay on him for most of the day and didn't worry about Harris Andrews when... Andrews has the pace and the sort of strength and the size to sort of beat him on the lead a little bit, um, whereas they went with the smaller, shorter um, McStay. Uh, look, I mean, I, I, the ones that Charlie Dixon was marking on the lead this week, where he actually was marking them, like he was leaping and he was marking over his head and he's over 200 centimetres tall. Like, you know, there's not a lot of defenders in the league that can stop that at all, realistically. Yeah. Like, oh, very when, true. A, when a big bloke like that is leaping and marking over his head to take the mark, like, what do you do? What do you do? You know, that's, that's yeah. I, I think he, I think the the way he got his marks this week, like the ones that are on the lead, I think that just made him almost impossible to defend in, yeah. in, in the air anyway. And if we were pinpointing better, I think he could be an absolute loser for us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He took 12 marks, four contested. He had seven marks inside 50. He had seven scoring shots. That's probably his best game since the Collingwood game last year if not the best game he's played for the yep. club as a whole as well. Oh, so it was great sure. to see. Yeah. Um, how did you see our midfield performance with Wines and Ebert a little bit down on their usual output and uh, obviously Boke out with injury as well? Look, I mean, with Boke out, we seemed to do pretty well. That was good. Uh, I was a little bit worried that we had robbed our midfield a little bit too much. But... Um, with look, the Brisbane midfield were really well held, quite honestly. Like, um, what was it, Dane Beams, and he had two positions in the first quarter or something like that? That's pretty uncommon. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we had Sam Pelpepper step up to play a good game again, like we already mentioned. What, 25 specials? Um, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, I, I think we just did all right. And Chad Wingard going into the midfield to sort of cover for both, in a lot of, in basically. Um, I mean, that's really kind of the sort that kind of happened. Yeah. Uh, and he did admirably. So, you know, uh, we did all right. We'd done good. We did very well. And I was very impressed at how we stopped Brisbane's midfield from having any sort of influence on the game at all. Like, Beams mm-hmm. had, I think, 21 touches, which is well done, well down on his average this year. Uh, Rockliffe, I think, had 23. And a lot of those came in the last quarter. And uh, he was averaging about 32 touches this year. Um yeah, some of the younger guys didn't really have much of the ball. Even Dane Zorko, who's had a big year as well, he was well down on his output, only 19 touches, I think. So, yeah, it was. It seemed to be that sort of game uh, where we just had the ability to shut them down um, and we just sort of were a bit more clinical with what we did with the ball. Yeah, and look, I, mean, I think it also helps that Paddy Ryder made Stefan Martin look like Matthew Lobby. Um, he didn't have a good game, I thought. <laughs> Martin was... Uh, was pants, I thought, on the weekend. He was not very good at all. Yeah, so, yeah. No, yeah. Ryder was uh, was fantastic. That was one of his best games for a long time as well, which was great to see. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
how did you see Pittard's performance? Because I thought he was uh, very close to best on ground. Yeah, look, he did really well. He did what you kind of hope Pittard's going to do. Um, and that's the thing about, I suppose, having a, a full defence is that everyone, like people that can play specialist roles actually have the freedom to play them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he did all right. I think he was fine. Mm. Yeah, look, I thought that was one of mm. his best games for a while as well. Um, you know, his ability to intercept and then run off, I thought his delivery of the ball was excellent as well. Um, and was able to just sort of sit across that sort of centre line and sort of rebound anything that was coming back out. And uh, pump it back inside 50 as well. So he was very important. Yeah, and I think that kind of reflected something we talked about in the preview, which was that, um, you know, we didn't think it was going to be a good week for Dan Houston, but we thought it would be a good week, a good week for a genuine sweeper. And I think we kind of saw that. Yeah. Um, Houston had his, quiet, had his quietest game so far. Uh, and Hartlett and Pittard both did pretty well, um, yeah. scooping out whatever came their way. And, uh, yeah, good luck to them. For sure. Uh, Jackson Trengove kicked another three goals. Is uh, he the answer? Well, I mean, as a second foil, he might be. Because uh, the way he's doing them, and, like, it's not when we used to throw Primus up forward and, you know, he'd look like a baby lamb or something <laughs> and try and kick it and then it occasionally to work out. Like, he's, Jackson's doing stuff there that you expect, like, a lifelong forward to do. Like, some of his crane, he's, got, he's confident. Um, he's good at a set shot. Uh, like he's showing, he's showing he's got the goods, quite frankly, mm. uh, in a way that I certainly didn't expect him to consistently do. And so far, um, he hasn't made the dumb errors, really. I don't think. Um, yeah, I so, was yeah. after his preseason form where he took about two marks in four games or something. I was very unsure mm. of how this was going to go, but he has had a real impact up forward, and you know he's taking marks, he's um, kicking goals, he's kicking goals in different manners, which is great. Um, and he's having a real influence on the contest. So, at the moment, it's looking like a genuine win, moving him up forward. Yeah, I mean, I've probably got to... When he goes up against, like, a genuinely experienced defence, I think that'll be the real telling sign, because he has played some good games, but they have been against fairly young, tall defenders. Yeah. Uh, and we've been on top in midfield. So, I'm not... You can't say he's perfect, but from what he's done with the ball when he's had it, I think that he's shown that he's not going to waste the opportunities when he gets them. So that's an important step for a key forward that's going to be supporting. For sure. Uh, Sam Gray, we spoke about him a lot on the preview podcast. And uh, I thought that was his best game of the year. Like he had 21 touches, 9 marks, kicked a really nice goal as well. Uh, seemed to have a hand in a lot of uh, scoring opportunities. Used the ball really, really well. And he also shut down uh, Daniel Rich's influence too, which was great. Yeah, you sure you don't want to drop him for Jake Need? Definitely not. <laughs> that was, <laughs> not that was something you were kind of talking about in the preview, wasn't it? You were saying that uh, he performed about as well as Jake Need did last year when everyone's saying drop him. And I, yeah, I didn't say I wanted that was to really uh, replace just... him with Jake Need. I just said that his output has been the exact same as what Jake Need's was last year. Well, that's wrong too, because I looked at the stats afterwards and that was wrong. So you're wrong, Macca. I'm not wrong. I'm never <laughs> he said, wrong. He said more, he's, he's had heaps. Heaps more disposals. He's had more Which marks is what around I said. the ground. More, the only more thing disposals that was the only on. thing that he had more of. More marks. Marks are hugely important in the way we're playing this game. Yeah, that, that was the thing that need dressed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely huge. When you're going through the midfield, and Sam Gray was in this position a few times, when you're going through the midfield and you take a mark, then that actually gives you room to set up the next kick. Whereas Jake Need didn't take marks, he'd get the ball and or the ball would go near him and then it just bounced straight back a lot of the time. And he'd run hard and he'd tackle okay and he'd got that stat on Sam Gray. 
Mm. Um, but really, I'd have Sam Gray every day of the week over Jake Need, um, and particularly this week. I'd have Kane Mitchell over both, to be honest, but we're not in that no, uh, situation no anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, look, Sammy Gray was great. That was his best game for the year. And um, yeah. look, Daniel Rich should not be taking kick-ins. Whoever decided that was a good idea to have Daniel Rich <laughs> taking kick-ins, like, he turned it over about five times last week, and he followed that up by turning it over about five times this week. Like, uh, I think Chris Fagan should be bidding that idea, I think. Yeah, well, he he made some bad choices. Um, and look, they were not creative enough in offering options for him to kick to as well. There was a bit of both, but it was mostly rich. Like, he did some things that you just go, oh, come on. Like, you might get against... If you're playing against another shit side, you'd probably get away with it. But, you know, against a side that's already smashed you seven goals to none before you even got a goal, um, like, that's not when you mess around and, nah. and do risky things. No, nah, definitely mm. not. Definitely not. Carl Amon, how did you see his performance? Up and down. Um, mm. I still think he's doing enough to stand aside because some of the good things he does are really good uh, and the bad things he does are less than bad. <laughs> yeah. I thought he yeah, took like a real a step back from him. last week, unfortunately. Like last oh, week, I thought he was one of our best players. This week, uh, he got a lot of it, but I just felt like he was trying to be a bit too cute with his disposals on quite a few occasions and he was doing these sort of dinky chip kicks which were easily sort of cut off. He turned it over about three or four times in a row there in the middle two quarters, and um, that was a bit disappointing. Yeah, look, I mean, it certainly wasn't his perfect game. Um, he's definitely a player in the, what, 17 to 22 on the field. But, um, yeah, I thought, he, I, I thought he did some good stuff as well. I think he did, I felt he did enough good stuff that he merits staying in there. Um, those dinky chip kicks did come off reasonably often, and this was a game when we needed to have them. So, yep. yeah. We, we need to have, I'm not just to say it, we do need some players capable of doing dinky chip kicks occasionally. We do, but it's good when they come off <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it's more often. Yes, I agree. And aren't uh, the second coming of Simon Tregenza sort of thing. Yeah. Well, okay, that might be fair. I like Simon Tregenza as a player, though. Trigger was a great player. Did, he was so. one of my favourites, but he had a definite 9-9 yeah, right. attached to his well, hoodie boot. But... Oh, you know. Yeah, look, if, if anyone plays as well as Simon Trigenza in his career, then that's all right. I guess he's, he'll be in and out of the side occasionally, career. but it's fine. Hmm. Yeah, you'd still be okay with it. For a, tw- for a, for a second-tier mid-flanker, for sure. Uh, the Imp Dog, German Impy, four goals. Uh, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, he played closer to goal. Hmm. <laughs> that was that was really most of it. I, I, I liked him in that role. Um, he, he did everything that... Um, let's go back to let's speed up on Jake Need again. He did everything that Jake Need doesn't do, um, in that he got on the scoreboard as well as doing all the accountability stuff. Um, mm. He played a really good game, I thought. Um, would have been nice if he didn't. He missed a couple, but you would say, "Oh, come on!" But you know, he's all right. He did all right. Yeah, he got he got enough. Yeah. He did. That's right. Um, Aaron Young, like he's obviously the one that's going to be in the gun. Did he do enough to sort of suggest he should stay in the side? Do you think, or is he not doing enough out there? Uh, oh, look, I think he's probably, I don't know, like he had one of the lower times on ground as well, um, and he didn't have a great game, but, you know, how, how you can't have everyone have a great game every week, like, that's, you know, we, we won by 90 points, um, no, then you'll never have a, you'll never have a game where every forward kicks a bag, 
Um, mm. So, uh, look, I think he could be under the pump, but oh, I don't know. I have to look. Again, they can wait for the preview show and see what team West Coast is naming. Um, but with Boat coming back, someone's got to go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I don't know. on that performance, and he's had a couple of poor games in the last sort of three or four. I think he might be the one that yeah. comes out. Look, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, it could maybe, yeah, probably wouldn't be aim one because he's got a different. I think that yeah, Aaron Young is probably the more close straight swap for both of those two. Mm. Um, which is not to say it's a good match to compare those two, but he's the closer of the two, I'd say. So yeah, no, nah, fair enough. Yeah. Have yeah, we underestimated okay. Hamish Hartlett's importance down back? No, I don't think so. I he was what do you great. want me to say? I thought he was great again on the weekend, and a lot of people, myself included, have said, oh, we probably don't need him down back. But um, the way he's played so far this year, um, he's been just about in our best players every single game he's played. So um, you know, I, think, I think he's really sort of controlling that half-back line really, really well. Um, I think that, like, we're, like we said in the preview, this was a game that was going to favour sweepers, so I think that he was going to do well. Um, but whether we needed him to do that role, like if we'd set, like, yeah, okay, let's say that we had set the same task for another backman to do that Hamish Hartley did. Look, I don't think we'd get a significantly different return. So, yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. The two key defenders are Tom Cleary and Tom Jonas absolutely tore apart uh, their opponents, I thought. Um, when I saw Jonas go to Hipwood, I was a little bit concerned because I thought, well, he's got definite height and a hell of a lot of pace on Jonas, but he really gave him nothing really all night. He would kick two, but only had the three kicks um, and just didn't really get near the bowl at all. Yeah, no, I liked Clary. He played a really good defensive game. He kept the ball on the right side of him. He's got pretty good hands uh, as well for taking the mark, um, which I think held him a good bit against Hipwood. Um, and also, again, the fact that the ball just wasn't getting there all that much uh, mm. at all. I um, mean, that really played into his hands. I, I guess that helps with those those contests. Uh, but I agree, it probably wasn't an ideal matchup for a guy with uh, Hitler's athleticism, but he came away with the win, and he did pretty well. Good on him. And Tommy Cleary kept Josh Shackey to zero marks and one kick for the game, which yeah. he got uh, from a free well, kick. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, probably the best game uh, Tommy Cleary's played. And Josh Shackey, I don't know, I feel like he's been a little bit disappointing for Brisbane so far. Yeah, well, I mean, again, that was another one we called on the preview, um, which was that um, Hipwood's better at dealing with an erratic Calvin Ball-style approach to the forward line, but Shackie's a more traditional key forward, and he's not. He's kind of like what Dixon is for us. Um, yeah. If Brisbane get to the point where they can have controlled delivery to the forward line, you'll see ja- uh, Josh Shackie really rise. But for as long as they're sort of scattered and infrequent and not honouring leads properly, like, he's going to struggle for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that Jonas didn't do anything. He's had some role. But I think that even Brisbane weren't helping Jackie out. <laughs> no, probably not. But uh, it was good to see Cleary do the job there. And um, look, they're playing really good footy at the moment, the, the back line. So it's great. And even guys like Dan Houston yeah. and Burn Jones didn't have a lot to do, but they still didn't give anything away, which was great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, Darcy Burn Jones, he, he, I think he's playing a better season than he's being given credit for. Like, he I did some so really good well. things in this in this game. Yeah. yeah. I, I a think lot of people have said he's down he's on form, well. but I don't think he is. 
that just means he's not... Ah, oh, look, I don't think he's down on form. I just think that other players are having more noticeable seasons than him, which is yeah. great. You want that in a defender, don't you? You know, like that's, the more that's experienced the golden rule. guys are standing up a bit more, which is great. It's the golden rule of Port Adelaide best and fairest, which is that when you have a shit year, a defender wins, and when you have a good year, a forward or a midfielder wins. Um, mm. And that's the reason why is because when you're playing well as a team, the forwards and midfielders are more noticeable, whereas when you're playing terribly, it's usually the backmen that you go, oh, yeah, at least they're doing their job. Um, and the fact is that Darcy Van Jones is still doing his job. It's just the ball's not in his area so much, so you don't notice it as well. Yeah, absolutely. That goes for all the back one, really. It does, for mm. sure. Right, on to the SANFL, and uh, it was the SANFL showdown on the weekend, and uh, the Maggies survived a four-goal-to-zero opening term uh, to dominate the remaining three quarters and win uh, 14 goals, 10 to 8 goals, 11. Uh, Brett Eddy and Nathan Cracker were the stars up forward with uh, five goals each. Yeah, I guess my first question to ask about there is, like, Cracker forward, how was he getting his goals? Were they roving goals or were they sort of lead on and mark goals? Uh, a bit of both. He kicked a couple of crummers and okay. he kicked a, a couple which were your more traditional sort of lead mark. Um, a lot of people had him sort of either, you know, second or third best. I didn't think he's, his game was that good. Um he was obviously great when he had the ball in his hands, but defensively he didn't really offer anything. Like there was very little chasing. He only had one tackle, um, and it was kind of if he didn't win the ball, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me about Frampton. Frampton, what a beast! <laughs> what an absolute beast! Yeah. He had twenty-four touches, sixteen marks, sixteen hitouts. Nice. Played up nice, forward, nice, nice. probably could have kicked two or three. He only ended up with uh, one behind. Um, I think he kicked one add on the full and a couple sort of fell a little bit short. But um, his hands are an absolute strength. And well, he was getting a few sort of cheapies around the ground, but he also took a lot of contested marks too. And, you know, if if ever there's a time to bring him in, it, it's got to be now because he is absolutely... Cherry ripe, primed ready. and consistent. Yeah, you know that's yeah, the, well, that's the third that's game in a row he's had huge numbers. Like, mm. just bring him in, just give him a crack, see what he can do. It's not going to ruin our structure yeah. bringing in someone like Billy Frampton. Um, it's going to free someone like Trengove up a little bit more as well. It's going to give Ryder a bit of, a bit of a break. Um, I'm all for it. Well, I mean, I'll just quickly just pressure you on that one. Like, we just had trouble justifying Young out for Bokin. Who comes out for Frampton? Well, I don't know. I really don't know. That's the, that's the <laughs> big question. <laughs> um, I mean, can we afford... Like, we don't lose anything Young out Bokin because we're bringing in another runner. Um, will we Probably lose anything yeah. by sort of dropping Carl Amon and bringing in Frampton? I mean, maybe... I'm still more inclined to drop a defender. Uh, and that look, that might be Dan Houston this week, depending on who he'd be matching up against. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we yeah, are still maybe. playing about nine defenders in the side. So, I mean, we can always yeah, yeah. probably rely on Hartlett doing an injury driving to the ground or something. Um, At some point, yeah. Yeah, which seems to happen every home game. So that could be a possibility. Um <laughs> Uh, other than that, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's one of those sort of tricky situations because there's probably three or four guys who deserve to get games on the back of that performance, but it's obviously not going to happen anytime soon. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we're going to lose anything by bringing in Frampton and dropping a small. Um, I don't think it's going to sort of kill our run or anything like that. For me, I think we need to bring in Frampton and not even caring about, you know, oh, well, there's these players doing well. So I don't think it matters because what matters right now is that we're seeing this year Charlie Dixon in great form, Paddy Ryder in great form, and knowing that behind those two we have basically nothing. So we need to test a guy like Frank now at least for a game to see whether he's at least a vaguely acceptable substitute for them. And if not, we need to try someone else yep. um, or work something else out. We need to test him as a team. Uh, to know that if, you know, Ryder has a, a hamstring injury in the week before finals, that we can bring someone like Frampton in, not completely raw, but maybe having had a couple of games under his belt and worked out what this AFL Malarkey is all about. So yeah. I, I think just from a strategic point of view, we have to play him. We have to play him. I think so. I, th- I think it's as good as any time to bring him in. So I'm all for the uh, the Billy bandwagon this week. Um the other player that's worth mentioning, obviously, is Brett Eddy, who is best on ground. He uh, he had 22 touches, 13 marks. Kicked five goals, Hi. one. Um, probably had another four shots, which either didn't make the distance or uh, was sort of touched on the line. So, again, he could have ended up with seven, eight, nine goals easily on another day. Um, he yeah. was absolutely fantastic playing in a pure centre-half forward role, uh, roaming that sort of centre-half forward area. Uh, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, he should be. Um, he would be getting frustrated. Well, I hope that his coaches are giving him some really good advice on what he needs to work on to get in back in the top side because this isn't what he signed on for. Mm. <laughs> um, what about Atley? Atley was really good. He had a strange stat line. Yeah. He only had three kicks, uh, but he had 22 handballs. So he had 25 touches overall. Oh, shit. And uh, <laughs> he was just in and under the whole day, just getting the ball out um, to guys like Bonner um, and Monfries on the outside. Um, you know, he was, for someone so young, first year playing his what, fourth senior SNFL game, you know, he's, yeah. he hasn't really put a foot wrong at all. Um, and he's doing everything asked of him, I, I would think. Um Again, he would have been probably in my top five, probably fifth best on ground for me. Who do you reckon the last midfielder we had that was so dependent on handballs? I'm think I'm thinking it's probably Adam Thompson, but uh, as far as yeah, top level, I don't Tom- know. Yeah, probably Thompson. I would say that's a good call. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, he probably needs to get a little bit more on the outside than what he's getting at the moment, but his inside work is so good. Um, he does need to sort of break free a little bit more, but uh, he's doing that sort of Josh Carr sort of role at the moment. So, look, I'm I'm very happy with how he's performing. <laughs> Josh Carr role, just say that to me and I'll be instantly happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, Riley Bonner had a huge game um, across halfback. He was probably oh. second best on ground. He had 30 touches, 13 marks, had nine inside 50s, I think. Um, and just his ability to, you know, what we saw in the preseason where he was really unsure of himself and just sort of blind kicking or getting working himself into trouble. Mm. There was none of that on the mm. weekend. He was evading two or three tackles and then delivering a pinpoint 15-metre pass down the ground to a leading Eddie or Frampton. Um, it was an absolute delight to see. And he did it on about 10 or 11 occasions. Um, that's the best I've ever seen him play. He was, okay. he was wonderful. 
Yeah, so, okay, good. Because, I mean, when you're a, a, um, a back flanker has 30 possessions, like that doesn't always mean a good thing. Um, but if he's being direct and he's not kicking sideways or backwards, then that's really good. Oh, of that's his 26 kicks, I would say about three of them went sideways. Like, they were all straight down the line sort of thing. Okay. They were real, good. real good. cutting disposal, so he was great. Uh, the two yeah, key defenders yeah. um, were also worth mentioning as well. Uh, Logan Austin had a big game. I think he took 11 marks. Um, Dougal Howard was great as well. Just um, saved so many sort of on-the-line goals and took some really telling marks down back. And uh, his agility for someone that's coming back from a knee injury is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, well, that's, that's really good to see. Um, yeah, well, we need... Key backman, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Like for me, watching Homsch play, like he's playing all right, but he still look. How old is he? Because he looks like he's like thirty-two, about to retire. <laughs> he's about twenty-four, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. He's, he's not that old, but it just. I don't know. Like in my back of my mind, I keep thinking, oh, I've only got another couple of years of Homsch, and I don't think that's actually right. But um, it, it just feels like it the way he plays and how tired he looks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, he's twenty-four. He is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, like, what's, what, what uh, I don't know, like, it's almost an embarrassment of riches in some ways, um, and in an awkward way, because the guys we've got on the side right now are shorter tall backmen, and Austin and Howard uh, probably have a more flexibility of matchups if they get into top form, so you'd have to think there's going to be movement at the station. Well, how good is it just to have right. tall depth for once? Like, well, when was the last time we had the, tall the, depth? Let's not repeat the floor of 2002-2003 when we had, what was it, uh, Wakelin and Paxman uh, have injuries right before finals and scrap our finals campaign. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, it's good to have that depth in those in those key position roles because they are the hard ones to replace in a lot of ways. It would just be nice if we had a bit of depth in key position forward and ruckman as well. But I'm not going to complain about the depth we've got. Yeah. Even um, Jared Lynott, who isn't really a tall defender but is sort of performing that third toll role because we don't really have anyone else to do it at SANFL level. He was sure. 4 on the weekend as well. He had 22 touches and I think nine tackles. And um, his foot skills are every bit as good as anybody else's in our squad. Like, I, I think he's got a definite AFL future. And I really hope that he gets the chance to um, move back uh, for, more forward up the ground, back onto a wing or something like that. Because someone that toll who can play as a wingman with genuine pace and, and a pinpoint sort of 55 metre kick is going to be a weapon at AFL level yeah yeah oh that's good that's good I like hearing that Maka. you're giving me lots of good news this week and I do appreciate yeah. it there's a few more what's the bad news well not really much to talk about in terms of bad news I mean Monfrey's had 31 touches 11 marks he was great we've spoken about him um, Will Snelling was really good um, got beaten pretty heavily in the first quarter, but uh, really turned his game around and um, ended up beating his opponent for the last three, so that was good. Jimmy Tumpers had a really good game, 29 touches. Um, Matty White did a hamstring after a pretty good first half. That was probably disappointing. Um, Todd Marshall only had a few kicks. He only had six touches and three marks. Didn't have any scoring shots or any uh, shots on goal at all, I don't think, but... I feel a little bit sorry for him. Like we're being one of the downsides, I think, of our current system is that we're being forced to play everybody at uh, SANFL level, and which means because we've got everybody fit at the moment, we're playing Eddie and Frampton and Marshall and Laddams in the forward line at once. Um, 
and they yeah. probably don't all fit there. So, uh, in a better system, you probably have Laddams playing in the in the reserves, maybe because I don't, I don't think he's getting the opportunities that he should be getting. He needs no, because mm-hmm. he's he's definitely more of a ruckman than a forward, um, and he's not getting any time in the ruck at all at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, that was one of the things we talked about when we uh, merged into the Magpies, like that that magical week back in the 2000s when I think we had four guys in the SNFL all playing centre-half forward and, and that diversity of experience we were able to get um, mm. by having them all be focal points in their teams. Like, it's, it'd be nice to kind of have a mix, sort of. Like, almost if we had two... Uh, this is going to sound... Look, gonna be the, the one-porters are going to have a crack at me, but, like, if we had two SNFL teams to split players between, that would probably be ideal for us in some ways. Yeah. Um, but we don't. Or just so the opportunity to, uh, to drop a couple of guys to the SNFL. SNFL reserve sometimes because look he's yeah, yeah. like he's not developing as he should Laddams um, and he's doing alright but and he kicked a goal he took a couple marks he wasn't too bad but he's just not getting uh, I think what he needs at the moment and uh, once again I think Matty Loeb is kind of the uh, the problem there because <laughs> he's not really performing all that well in the ruck and he's not doing anything up forward um, uh... but you kind of have to play him because uh, there's a bit of a $400,000 problem there I honestly like I, I know I, people were saying oh, you can't be serious but like I honestly would have taken a third round pick for Lobby last year just to get him off our list <laughs> that would have been that would have been great if we could have got that and if we could have got that first round the year before oh my god ah <laughs> uh, alright 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 well we mm. can't do anything yeah. grumble grumble not yet but you never know I, we'll, see, we'll see what happens but yeah, that's pretty much it. I thought Cam Hewitt, that was, uh, he didn't get a lot of the ball, only nine touches, but that was probably the best I've seen him play. Uh, Willem okay. Drew, our other draftee, um, had a pretty quiet yeah, game. Yeah, how's he doing? Uh, uh, he only had okay. 10 touches. Uh, it was pretty quiet. Um, yeah. Again, he's, he's probably well down the list at the moment in terms of guys getting the sort of midfield opportunity. So uh, he's having to play sort of mm. either in a back pocket or back flank and sometimes in a forward pocket. So, uh, But his time will come, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, he's yeah, he's had an early start, what was it, winning three premierships with Kuroi, but he's still got to learn how to play at AFL standard, and that is a bit different, so that's fair enough. And like you said, you know, maybe the opportunities just aren't there because they're going to more senior SNFL players at this point. I don't know. I, I guess but that's yeah. the advantage of being a guy like Atley is that he plays close to the fall of the ball, so he has more opportunity to mark himself on the game in some yep. ways. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, good signs in the SNFL this week, and it's great to have... Um, five or six real genuine options to sort of bring into the side, if need be. Absolutely. Absolutely. If that's where we get injuries. That's it. Right. Well, I think that's it for this evening. All right. Well, that was all right. I don't mind doing the reviews when we win by that much. It's good, isn't it? (laughs) Very positive. It's quite nice. It's actually really pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe at some point after our years of success we'll become jaded like Hawthorne fans and almost miss the days when we had something to argue about. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, I long for the days of the quadrangle of doom and all that stuff. But... <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, long for the days of Nick Salter isn't a backman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember them. That's great. Yep, yep. Oh, classic. <laughs> All right, until next time. Okay.
Can the pear. Can the power. Can ports. Ports. Here he is, like that. If it's not running, it's dispatching a quick handball, a reflex from the pack. Stephen Williams does equally well to Malakellis, dodging and weaving, a little bit of shadow boxing, gets it away to West. This is where he hurts. He gets in front, he gets inside of 50, has a look at the goals and finishes it off. He can play Robbie West. And at the 13...